I'd like to take a moment and have a real heart-to-heart with you. If you're able right now, place your hand over your heart. Can you feel it? That's your heartbeat telling you that you're alive. It's the same for a preborn baby. Their heart begins to form at conception, and at just three weeks, it's already beating. At five weeks, a baby's heartbeat can be heard on ultrasound. And that's why we've partnered with Preborn, because we need to help these precious babies. Every day, Preborn's networks of clinics rescue 200 babies from abortion. When a mother with an unplanned pregnancy meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine encounter. That doubles a baby's chances at life. And by six weeks, the eyes are forming. By 10 weeks, a baby is able to suck his or her own thumb. And for just $28, you could be the difference between life or death of a child. All gifts are tax deductible, and I want you to donate. All you have to do is just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250, keyword baby. You can also donate securely at preborn.com slash verdict. That's preborn.com slash verdict or pound 250 and say the keyword baby. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million dollars. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. Senator, nice to be back with you. I've seen you a lot this week, some in D.C., some back here in Houston. And I do think we should explain to people what happened at CPAC. Uh, It was supposed to be, and we had dinner the night before. We planned out a big show. Some of that we're going to actually do in today's show. But right before we were to go on stage, there was a vote called in the Senate that was pushed up. You guys, I learned very clearly that they have no clue what your schedule is. And then we said, basically, all right, here's our audible. All the senators have to leave CPAC, go back and vote. We'll have J.D. Vance on the show. And, and that's kind of how it went down, which was really fun. Yeah, it was entirely inaudible. So we were planning to do, do the pod from the stage of CPAC. It was going to be you and me. And then we had a vote at 145 that we had to get back for. And so Matt Schlapp came to me and, and to you and said, look, I got 30 minutes till you guys are telling me you got to leave. And he said, I've got you and I got J.D. Vance. And he said, if you want, I can just cut the time in half, give you 15 minutes each, which is less time than we're supposed to have. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or you can somehow combine it. And so you and I looked at each other and we're like, okay, we're going to do a guest. And look, it, it helps J.D. and I are friends. So, but it was, and, and you and, campaigned for him, which yeah. was, I think he actually really enjoyed the yeah. fact that it was like, it was almost coming full circle. Yeah, no, it, it was a nice, but we literally didn't know we were doing it until about 10 minutes before we went on stage with him. Yeah. And, and JD had a whole speech prepared. So I don't know what he was planning to talk about, but he had a speech prepared and it's like, okay, I'll come on verdict instead. And, and it, uh, now I will say it, it, to, to give a sense Look, CPAC has a big reach, both for the people in the room, but also for the people watching. So when when I invited people, I said, listen, if you want to subscribe to the podcast, I said, pull out your phone, 
and text the word VERDICT to 24005. Which, by the way, everybody can do right now. If you're watching this podcast, that's the easiest way where you can subscribe to the podcast. It's free, but you did that to the audience. Yeah, I did that to the audience. I told them, pull out your cell phone. And you can see all across the audience, people pull out their cell phone. And I told them, text the word VERDICT to 24005. And I always repeat it at least twice, 24005. <laughs> you know how many people sent that text? How many? 1,105. That's, that's really cool. And so what you get back is a link to subscribe to the podcast. And, and so th- that was, th- CPAC is always a blast, but, but I thought it was a good and lively show. And, and having JD made it, made it all the more fun. It was really fun. I got to ask you something else quickly because it was an interesting weekend of news coverage. There was CPAC and there was Club for Glo- Growth, their meetings down in Florida. You were one of very few that actually did both because they both are very important to us winning back the White House. And you went to both, which obviously people are like, all right, is the Republican Party divided? Is it are we going to get our act together and, and really coalesce and, 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 and work together these different wings of the party? I came out of CPAC more encouraged. I did not go to Florida with you. Did you come back encouraged saying, we can pull this off? Oh, yeah. And look, the two are very different. Uh, I mean, there was a lot of media coverage saying that CPAC was basically Trump-a-palooza, that it it was a lot of Trump supporters there. And the people speaking at CPAC are are mostly closely aligned with with President Trump. Club for Growth, you know, a lot of folks were calling it essentially DeSantis-palooza. Yeah. Uh, And a lot of the folks there are not aligned with President Trump. And, and I will say I was one of very few people to be at both. And, and it's, uh, you know, we've got a big, diverse party, and I'm good friends with President Trump. I'm good friends with Ron DeSantis, too. And so I w- uh, and I'm focused with both of them and, and everybody else on trying to, trying to turn the country around. I think we're in a good place overall heading into the presidential. Was that your take coming out this weekend that, hey, we're going to be okay? Because there's a lot of people that think we're writing doom and gloom stories over the weekend. I didn't see it that way. Yeah, look, we'll see. There's still a whole lot of chaos between now and Election Day. Uh, I think Biden is badly off track. And so we've got an opportunity for a huge victory in November of 2024. Republicans got to avoid shooting ourselves in our own rear end. And and so hopefully that's what Republicans will do. There was a story we were going to get to talk about at CPAC. We didn't get to play it because obviously we pulled an audible And it dealt with, there was actually two different hearings, not one, but two different hearings that took place on the same day at the same time that were extremely important. Give a little background on on that day on Capitol Hill, because one of them was dealing with uh, Garland, and you were questioning there. There was another one dealing with the FAA uh, and and a major position there, and they were happening at the exact same time. Is that normal? Well, it happens a lot. It's one of, one of the uh, stranger things about the Senate is you'll often have multiple hearings going on at the exact same time. Uh, I'm on four different committees. I, I'm on I'm the ranking member of Commerce, so the senior Republican on the Commerce Committee. Uh, I'm on Judiciary. I'm on Foreign Relations, and I'm on Rules and Administration. So those are the committees I'm on. Uh, and frequently you'll have multiple hearings that you have to go back and forth and back and forth. So when you see empty chairs at a hearing, that's sometimes because senators are having to run to different buildings. It so happened that the hearing with Merrick Garland was at the exact same time, 10 a.m. on Wednesday, that the confirmation hearing for the Biden's nominee to be administrator of the FAA, really important position in charge of keeping airplanes safe and keeping us safe when we fly home. Uh, 
they were both at 10 a.m. And what that meant, so judiciary has a rule, which is that, that your order of questioning is based on seniority, but it has what's called a gavel rule, which it's seniority for every member present when the gavel comes down. So if you're, if you're not there when the gavel comes down, everyone down dais jumps in front of you. And so I'm fifth in seniority on judiciary. I'm one, one of the most senior Republicans on judiciary. So that morning, what I had to do is I was in judiciary at 10 a.m. And actually, Durbin was three minutes late, which was kind of really irritating because I just needed to be there for him to Hit bang the gavel. The gavel. I was there at gavel, which meant I could speak in my order of seniority and not wait until the very last Republican to, to ask my questions. So as soon as he banged the gavel, I got up and walked very quickly to a totally different building to the Commerce hearing where I was the lead, the senior Republican. And, and so the Commerce hearing had already started with my chair empty, and I made it there by the time I, I got started. But that, that sort of thing happens a lot in the Senate. Uh, it is a new challenge with my being now a ranking member on a full committee because I've got greater responsibilities to be there for much more of the hearing than if you're just a, a member of the committee, you, you usually show up, do your questions and leave. Uh, so as, as ranker, I, you try to be there as much as, as, much as possible. That is an interesting thing that, uh, I guess, is, and is that new that they do that with a gavel, or no, has that been no, throughout history? It's, it's all, always been the gavel rule. Um, it's usually pretty easy for me because, look, judiciary, I like the issues, I care about it. On any important hearing, I'm usually there at gavel. It's going to be more challenging the next two years because I've got more responsibilities on commerce now, and so I've got to j juggle them both. I want to go back to the Garland uh, questioning. There was one part, like I said, we didn't get to cover at CPAC. We want to make sure we hit that today. Before I play a very contentious moment between you and, and the Attorney General Garland, I want to remind everybody about uh, Augusta Precious Metals. Uh, if you are wanting to protect your retirement, if you want to protect what's happening with this crazy economy, we're talking about using gold and silver as part of your 401k or your IRA, and you've saved $100,000 or more, you need to check out Augusta Precious Metals. Augusta Precious Metals does things a little bit differently. They actually do a web conference with you where you sit down with them and they talk about your financial future. They talk about what your goals are, and then they see if gold and silver is even right for you and your plan. Now, if you're closer to retirement or in retirement, you know making up losses is really something you don't want to deal with because you're running out of time. That's also one of the reasons why I guess the Precious Metals' job and goal is to protect your hard-earned dollars. So check out and get their free guide. But more importantly, do the free web conference with them. I do it. I use them. I actually have invested with them. You'll love Augusta Precious Metals. The number, 8774, the number four, Gold IRA. That's 877, the number four, Gold IRA. Or go online to AugustaPreciousMetals.com. That's AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Use the word Ben, and if you do, you will actually get your fees for up to 10 years. They'll cover them. AugustaPreciousMetals.com. All right, I want to play this clip, Senator. It was you and Garland getting into it uh, in a very interesting back and forth. Take a look for everybody watching. We've also seen across the country violent attacks as pregnancy centers by similar left-wing terrorist groups 
including one, one graffiti of a, of a firebomb building, said Jane was here. There had been attacks all over the country. And yet, the Department of Justice has not brought these violent criminals to justice. You contrast that. If you're a violent criminal and you attack a crisis pregnancy center, that is not a priority in the Biden Department of Justice. Contrast that to Mark Houck, who's a pro-life activist. He's a sidewalk counselor. And he had an altercation with someone who allegedly interfered with his son's personal space and threatened his son, and he pushed him. Now, in an ordinary world, pushing someone would be maybe a simple misdemeanor assault, but not under the Biden Department of Justice. If you're a pro-life activist, what can you expect? Well, in this instance, according to Mr. Houck's wife, two dozen agents clad in body armor and ballistic helmets and shields and a battering ram showed up at his house pointing rifles at his family. Why do you send two dozen agents in body armor to arrest a sidewalk counselor who happens to be pro-life, but you don't devote resources to, count pe to, to prosecute people who are violently firebombing crisis pregnancies? It is a priority of the department to prosecute and investigate and find the people who are doing those firebombings. They are doing it at night and in secret, so, and we have, found two, we have found one group, which we did prosecute. You we found are, one. How many have there been? How many attacks? There have been a lot, and if you have any information specifically as to who those people are, we would be glad, did, would did be glad to have that. If you're an American, you see this. It's got to scare the hell out yep. of you that there is two separate ways that this Department of Justice is working. Oh, are they Republican? Oh, let's really go after them. They're conservative? Let's go after them. They're a Christian. Let's go after them. They're a sidewalk counselor. Let's send 20-plus men there like it's the military raiding your yeah. home. Well, look, the double standard is obvious. Um, with regard to the bombings and the attacks on crisis pregnancy centers, uh, you heard the attorney general articulate a, a, a new rule at the, the Biden Department of Justice. Apparently, they don't do violent crimes anymore if they happen at night. Yeah, too hard to investigate. Uh, you know, your, your dad, how many years was your dad a cop? I mean, decades. He was decades. in law enforcement and so, still works for the sheriff's department now. So, so was it the rule that you, you only went after criminals if they committed crimes in, during the daytime? No. In fact, he usually works still nights because that's when the stuff's going down. It's... It's the most asinine statement of, well, gosh, it happened at night. You know why they haven't had any prosecutions? Because he doesn't care about this. He is sympathetic to the violent criminals. He made the decision to devote thousands upon thousands of man hours to going after the January 6th protesters. If you're a little old lady who was in the mall on January 6th waving an American flag, he wants to know everything about you. If there was bank records, if you just happened to be in D.C. during that time, they were saying, well, maybe we should look at those people, too. It, it, it is real simple. They aren't bringing prosecutions because it's not a priority, because he doesn't care. And, you know, Mark Houck, it's, it, it's amazing. He offered to turn himself in. His lawyer said, all right, if you're going to prosecute me, my client will turn, your, turn himself in. But the Biden Justice Department decided, nope. We don't want you to turn yourself in voluntarily. We're sending literally 20-plus FBI agents. And I, and I asked him, the next question I asked that we didn't play there, but I asked him, did you personally authorize that? He claimed he didn't. 
and this is the pattern Merrick Garland followed at, at, at most of the hearing, is just dodging responsibility. Well, it's the FBI that does it. Well, it's the FBI that does it. Well, you know, it's... It, it's He's pr- in charge of them. He is in charge. The FBI reports to the attorney general. The FBI is under the Department of Justice. And I asked him, okay, well, it happened. Do you wish to apologize to Mrs. Houck and to their seven children that were woken up early in the morning by 20-plus FBI agents with rifles pointed at them? And he said, no. No, he doesn't doesn't apologize in the slightest. By the way, Houck pushed a guy. You know, they brought the case. Merrick Garland prosecuted, not personally, but the Department of Justice under That he leads, yeah. The jury acquitted him in a matter of minutes. The jury looked at it and said, this is stupid. No, we're not going to send a guy to jail for 13 years. That's, that's what the, statu- the, the statu- statute that Merrick Garland went after this, this sidewalk counselor on made him liable for up to 13 years. And that's the political double, double standard we have. I'd like to take a moment and have a real heart-to-heart with you. If you're able right now, place your hand over your heart. Can you feel it? That's your heartbeat telling you that you're alive. It's the same for a preborn baby. Their heart begins to form at conception, and at just three weeks, it's already beating. At five weeks, a baby's heartbeat can be heard on ultrasound. And that's why we've partnered with Preborn, because we need to help these precious babies. Every day, Preborn's networks of clinics rescue 200 babies from abortion. When a mother with an unplanned pregnancy meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine encounter. That doubles a baby's chances at life. And by six weeks, the eyes are forming. By 10 weeks, a baby is able to suck his or her own thumb. And for just $28, you could be the difference between life or death of a child. All gifts are tax deductible, and I want you to donate. All you have to do is just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250, keyword baby. You can also donate securely at preborn.com slash verdict. That's preborn.com slash verdict or pound 250 and say the keyword baby. Hey, Ben Ferguson here. And if you're an accredited investor, U.S. oil and gas should be a part of your investment portfolio. I want you to visit LabradorEnergy.com. Beyond the possibility to invest in a sector that historically delivers sound returns when you invest with Labrador Energy, you have access to potential tax benefits, and you may be able to structure your investment to offset active or passive income. According to many sources, U.S. oil and gas drilling remains one of the best tax-advantaged income investments available. Visit LabradorEnergy.com. Labrador's core executive team has more than 190 years of combined oil and gas experience and has drilled thousands of oil and gas wells. They are dedicated to mitigating risk while providing accredited investors with sound returns. So visit LabradorEnergy.com. American energy independence is crucial for our national security and future prosperity. And Labrador Energy is leading the charge to make that a reality. Invest in U.S. oil and gas today. Learn more at LabradorEnergy.com. Offer for accredited investors only. Past performance is no indication of future results. Investing involves risk. Consult your legal, tax, and financial advisors and read the prospectus before making any investment decisions. Visit LabradorEnergy.com for the prospectus and more information. There was two things in that back and forth that really stuck out to me. One of them was 
He's asking you if you have evidence, bring it to him. <laughs> and, and it was a snarky line. Yes. I understood why he said it. But I also think it was one of those, oh, you know what moments when you watch it afterwards. That he walked into basically saying, I'm literally not looking for evidence. By default is what he was basically admitting, saying, if you've got something, give it to me because I don't have it and I'm not looking for it. Well, and, and look, we at the last podcast we did at CPAC, we played my questioning w- with him. Uh, about the the protesters at the Supreme Court justice's house. He also pled ignorance there and and there he blamed it on the marshals. And 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 this is an in- interesting so it is true that there were marshals there to protect the justices. So I'm glad they were there. That that was necessary particularly given that we know someone traveled from California with a gun and a knife and burglary tools to murder Justice Kavanaugh, a leftist mad about the leaked Dobbs decision. But he tried to avoid responsibility by saying the marshals decide whether to arrest someone. Now, he's right. The marshals on site decide whether to arrest someone. But what he refused to take responsibility for is it is the prosecutor and only the prosecutor who decides whether to charge someone, whether to actually go to a grand jury, seek an indictment, get an indictment. Only Merrick Garland Only the Department of Justice can get a federal indictment. And once again, you know, he's like, you know, he says, well, gosh, no one was arrested. These protesters at the justices' houses put up pictures of themselves on social media. They're they are confessing and 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 they're to the crimes they committed, which is to influence it. And and the the statute's clear. I, I, I don't think we've spent enough time on this. So I want you to explain why not just the Supreme Court, but in general. Why we have serious laws about intimidation of judges, of jurors, why is that in place across all sectors of of, of our legal system? Because we need to have a legal system that operates fairly and free of intimidation. So you've got, it is a federal crime to protest uh, in front of a juror's home in order to influence the outcome of a case. You know, you think about it, let's suppose you're a mob boss. And you find out where the jurors live. And while the jurors are still considering the case, guilty or not, you send a bunch of folks to their home. That's that's called jury tampering. And you're going to go to jail, quite rightly. You're supposed to, anyway. You're supposed to. The same is true for a judge. Look, the protesters were outside the justices' houses before the Dobbs opinion had issued. So there had been a leaked opinion. But the court had not issued the opinion. Any one of those justices could have changed their minds, and, and that's why the law says, look, you're not allowed to go and, and, and try to intimidate judges into changing their rulings. You're not allowed to go try to intimidate jurors into changing how they're going to vote in a case. And Merrick Garland knows all of that. The amazing thing is he was a judge for, for 24 years. He knows that. He just agrees with the protesters in front of the justices' homes. And he's sympathetic, agrees is probably too strong, but he's sympathetic to the violent attacks on the crisis pregnancy centers. He's certainly not willing to put serious man hours into, into trying to find out who did it because it's, it's, it's not important to him. One other thing in you as a lawyer, I, I go back in my mind to Waco. When I see the government ratchet up the heat or the pressure on on this this house with these seven kids there, 
you're putting lives at risk, especially when you have direct communication with the attorney saying if you're going to prosecute him, he will turn himself in. I'm assuming the reason why they have that communication, you turn yourself in if you're going to be prosecuted, is so that there isn't a misunderstanding or uh, this under siege moment or guns drawn when there doesn't need to be guns drawn because your attorney is going to walk you into a courthouse and book you. And they offered to do it. They didn't do it. And I say Waco because my point is one bad moment, one accident, one ratcheting up here. You, you, you're putting family members at risk now just because you're trying to say we're the government? Sure. No, no. It, it, it's, it's designed to terrorize. Um, listen, the Department of Justice has not pointed to any evidence that they had reason to think that, that Hauk was dangerous. You know, if you're going to arrest Tony Montana from Scarface, then you may need 20 agents and rifles and body armor. Like if you're going to a drug dealer or a gangbanger or a violent criminal— Someone that shows that they're willing to kill you. Yeah. Look, that's the circumstances where you need that kind of show of force for a sidewalk counselor who, on all indications, is, has been not only peaceful but is de- devoting significant time to trying to save the lives of unborn children, not through violence, uh, but, but through speech and, and prayer the FBI did it to send a statement. Number one, they don't care that they terrorize him and his family. Those children, look, seven kids, you and I are both dads. Imagine how your kids would react to 20 agents in body armor showing up and pointing rifles at them. You'd be terrified. Yeah. And, and, and you know, I, I can't imagine that those kids are not having nightmares about it. I mean, I mean that is a very, and by the way, all the neighbors, it, it, it's like the perp walk. Look, if you're a mob boss, you know what? They may put handcuffs on you and, and walk you down the street in front of the uh, in front of the cameras to get get on the news. The FBI did this because they want to send a message. Pro-life activists, we don't like you. And he claimed he didn't personally authorize it. He either I don't know if he knew about it or not. I didn't I didn't get a chance to answer. I did, ran out of time, so I didn't get to ask him if he if he knew about it or not. He certainly doesn't apologize for it now, and he hasn't changed anything. Because, and, and what he did is he just blamed the FBI. It's the FBI's decision. It's the FBI decision. They make the decision. Then I'm in charge of them, but whatever. And if they screw it up badly, a reasonable boss, if you didn't know it about it at the time, would tell them, you screwed it up badly. Don't do this again. Y- you know what he did, though? He went ahead and prosecuted Hauk. So he didn't think it was screwed up that badly because he thought it was appropriate to go after him on federal charges instead of. And that was directly under his Department of Justice, yep. right? You can separate yourself from the FBI just so people yep. understand the hierarchy here. And you can say, oh, that was the FBI that raided his house. But the decision to prosecute, you can't say that's the FBI's decision. That is the DOJ's decision. And, and, and I would wager 100 bucks. the prosecutors were fully aware that they were going on that raid early morning. I, I don't have proof of it, but the way it ordinarily operates in a situation like that, the prosecutor, maybe not the attorney general, but the AUSA, the assistant U.S. attorney handling the case, would know about it. And depending at what level... Look, I would love to know who at the Department of Justice signed off on this use of force, who signed off on this prosecution, how far up the chain it went. And if we had 
a Department of Justice that actually was accountable to the people, we would know the answer to those questions. You know, the questioning from Garland's look, he's offended that senators dare ask him questions. He doesn't want to answer anything. And much less imply they did something wrong. And it, it is, it's not just that, that he looks at senators on the Judiciary Committee, which, by the way, is charged with oversight. It is literally our responsibility to engage in oversight over the Department of Justice. And we do that for both Republican and Democrat administrations. But his contempt is really contempt for the American people because it is saying you have no right to second guess me. I will not answer your questions because I don't answer to you. That's really dangerous. Yeah, it's dangerous. And while that was going on, there was another important hearing that was going on that deals with the FAA and another script there. Before we get into that, I want to remind you about Patriot Mobile. They are the only conservative Christian cell phone provider in the country. Why does that matter to you? Well, when you have a cell phone, and probably 99% of you do, when you use your phone, when you send a text message, and when you pay your bill, you're actually supporting conservative causes that you actually want to stand up for. We're talking about standing up for our First and our Second Amendment rights. And Patriot Mobile, when you pay your bill, a portion of your bill every month goes back to support these organizations and causes, including standing up for the right of unborn children and helping with adoptions. Patriot Mobile is a company that when I pay my bill, I feel good about it because I know that I'm making a difference. I'm sitting with a company that actually stands with me on these issues and not fighting against me. You get to keep your same cell phone number and 99% of the time you can keep your same cell phone or upgrade to a new one. So how do you save money and how do you switch? It's easy. 878-PATRIOT. That's our new number. 878-PATRIOT. Or go online to patriotmobile.com slash verdict. You'll use the promo code VERDICT when you call them or online. You'll get the best deals of the day. Their new number, 878-PATRIOT. Senator, you, you mentioned there was a lot going on the same day. The FAA uh, administrator nominee has become a disaster. And there's also an issue here of public corruption with this individual. But I want to start with just you kind of laying the groundwork for this guy at this hearing. Basic questions. FAA is a big job. Being in charge of it's an even bigger job and making sure you know, like, what the FAA does, kind of important. Take yep. a look. Thank you, Madam Chair. Mr. Washington, uh, you've emphasized your time as CEO of the Denver Airport 20 months. Have you ever flown a plane? Thank you for the question, Senator. No, I have never flown a plane. So you weren't a military pilot or a commercial airline pilot? No, Senator. Uh, have you ever worked for an airline? No, Senator. Uh, have you ever worked as an air traffic controller? No, Senator. Have you ever worked for a company that manufactures airplanes? No, Senator. Have you ever worked for a company that fixes airplanes? No, Senator. So for 20 months, you've been char in charge of the Denver airport. Uh, you're in charge of the airport's buildings, correct? Uh, I am in charge of everything that goes on at that airport. Okay. Well, I, I'm not sure that's exactly right. You're... You're in charge of parking at the airport, is that correct? How many yes, parking sir. spaces are there at the Denver airport? Uh, thousands. Okay, you're in charge of all the shops and restaurants in the airport. How, how many restaurants are there in the Denver airport? Uh, we have anywhere from 150 to 200 or so. Um, you're in charge of coffee shops and clothing stores and newsstands. Um, you're not in charge of the pilots, are you? Uh, no, Senator. 
Uh, you're not in charge of the airplane mechanics, are you? No, Senator. You're not in charge of the air traffic controllers, are you? No, Senator. You're not in charge of any of it. <laughs> Look, I, I got to say, this nomination is really astonishing. Look, FAA is a really important position. And, and if you look back at, at the people who've been nominated to lead the FAA, under both Democrats and Republicans, they're typically really senior individuals in aviation. They, Would it be fair to say a nonpartisan nominee? It, usually. Yeah. Uh, they're usually someone that has 20, 30, 40 years experience in aviation. Many of them have been military pilots. When I asked you, you weren't a military pilot. An awful lot of FAA administrators were military pilots. An awful lot of them were airline pilots or airline captains, have 20, 30 years flying, you know, fi flying airline jets. Um, frequently, they have experience in management at an airline. Frequently, they'll have experience uh, dealing with aviation safety. Frequently, they'll have certifications and, and, and other experience like it is a technical position and in this instance phil washington he spent over over two decades in the military and i certainly respect his military service he 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 was uh he, in the military did he was not involved in aviation so his military service is honorable it just doesn't have to do it's just any, irrelevant to this new job it doesn't have anything to do with planes and then he was the head of the la metro now, the L.A. Metro is buses and trains, and, and, and he's an administrator and a bureaucrat. And then he got appointed to be head of the Denver airport. And look, what the Biden administration is doing here is they've nominated him because some Colorado Democrats care about putting him in this position, and they're treating the FAA – as a patronage position. They're treating it as just a spoil system. Let's stick a Democrat because this makes Democrat politicians happy. Both Democrat senators from Colorado came to the came to the committee and introduced him. And this is all about the Denver mayor was there. This Big is big song and dance. This is all about we're giving a favor, a political favor. And you know what? If there's as I put it out, I said, look, if they wanted to nominate him to the Amtrak board, and he was initially considered for the Amtrak board. That would have probably been fine. Like he might well have gotten bipartisan support, support to be on the Amtrak board. Okay, fine. He was at the LA Metro, dealt with, dealt with train issues. That's fine. The FAA, look, you and I are on planes all the time. When you get on an airplane, you are counting on the FAA to do everything possible to keep you safe. Now, that's not just the air traffic control. That's also the At pilot the pilot training. That, that, that That's also airplane manufacture. It's airplane maintenance. You know, I asked him about the 737 MAX. You recall there were two horrific crashes of the 737 MAX. 346 people lost their lives in those two crashes. When I got into the technical details about the 737 MAX, and I asked why did those crash, crashes happen, his answer was, I, I don't know why they, they happened. And, and I said, you know what? I believe you. Yeah. I believe you don't know. And that's a big friggin' problem because the head of the FAA should know. By the way, the administrator of the FAA, who 
at the time, who had been a pilot for, I think, almost 40 years, the, the 737 MAX was grounded. Now, what happened is Boeing with the 737 MAX had this new system called the MCAS system that, if you get into some of the technical details, on the front of the 737 MAX, there are two sensors called angle of attack sensors. And one of them, at least in one of the two crashes, it appeared it was sheared off of the plane by a bird strike. A bird hit it and broke the sensor off. And so the result, the, the MCAS system was sending a message to the plane and automatically turning the nose down, turning the nose down, turning the nose down. And the two crashes that happened, you had relatively inexperienced pilots. They were foreign pilots. They didn't have anywhere near the experience that, that a U.S. Pilot would, have. pilot would have. And the nose went down, 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 and it just steered the nose into the ground and crashed and killed everyone. And Boeing, unfortunately, did not train the pilots about the MCAS system. So presumably, and in fact, if you, if you listen to the back and forth with the air traffic controllers, the pilots are essentially saying, what the hell's going on? They don't understand why the plane why the plane's is, doing what it's doing. Is automatically going down. They grounded every 737 MAX for months. They changed the system. They changed the training. They went through the training. Uh, by the way, I sat down and met with pilots. I said, okay, what would you do? And they explained you'd adjust the trim like an experienced pilot. Even if the MCAS was, was operating, an experienced pilot would know how to fix it. Now, I don't know how to fix it. Right. But, but an experienced pilot would. And what's interesting is the former FAA administrator, when they allowed the 737 MAX back in the air, before they did so, he actually went and flew the damn thing. I mean, that's... It's a non-political position. Yes. It's, it, it is a true safety technology, understanding air travel, understanding what the military may need when it comes to airspace, understanding what civilians need, understanding minimum requirements. Look, if you need heart surgery and the hospital tells you, well, hey, this guy's a big donor to the hospital, so we're going to have him do the heart surgery. He's not a doctor, but but we really like him. You'd You'd say that's crazy. The FAA needs someone who knows something about airplanes. Will his nomination make it? I mean, the the question that you asked, honestly, I didn't think was snarky. It may have come across that way because he didn't answer any of the questions with a yes. It was all no. I've never done this. I've never done this. I didn't. I I was saying it's showing how glaringly bad of a nominee this was. I I, I don't think he'll be confirmed. Really? Um, I. Several Democrats have expressed concerns. And, and I got to say, look, let's say you're a Democrat senator. And let's say you're up for reelection in 2024, as a whole bunch of them are. Do you really want to cast a vote to confirm an FAA administrator with zero experience in aviation or aviation safety? You know, listen, if God forbid in the next two years there's an airline crash. And look, we've had a series of near misses. Recently. Th- this, this position has not had a Senate-confirmed uh, administrator in a year because the Biden administration doesn't prioritize it. Instead, they're, they're using it as a political benefit, as a, as a gift, a patronage job, rather than saying, look, we ought to have an FAA administrator in there right now who knows what he or she is doing and is examining why are these near misses happening and how can we prevent them from happening But if you're a Democrat senator, 
and God forbid there is an, an airline crash, do you really want to be going to your voters saying, yeah, I, I voted to put in place a guy who had no idea what he was doing, and, and now a bunch of people, well, and, and their lives have been lost. I want to also, I think there's a clip of you that was brilliant summing up the lack of qualifications this guy. I want to play that in a moment. Before we get to that, though, I want to tell you about our good friends over at Chalk. If you're a guy and you're getting older and you feel like you're losing that edge, there is a way to get that edge back with testosterone replacement, and that is what my friends at Chalk do. C-H-O-Q, they are here to help real men, real American men, maximize your masculinity by boosting testosterone levels up to 20% over 90 days. Now, I've been taking the Chalk Male Vasculinity Stack and it actually really does work. You can up your testosterone levels over 20%, up to 20% over a 90-day period. My buddy Jesse Kelly talked about this as well. He was like, Ferguson, you got to try it. You'll see the difference. So if you're a guy, you're getting a little bit older, and you're ready to get back that edge, check out Chalk. C-H-O-Q.com. C-H-O-Q.com. Use the promo code BEN for 35% off any Chalk subscriptions for life. And you can cancel anytime. CHOQ.com, code Ben for 35% off. Senator, this one clip of you kind of just talking about like qualifications should matter with this guy, it went viral. I want everybody to see it if you miss it because it's brilliant. Take a look. FA administrator is a specialized position. I'm not qualified to be FA administrator. I have no idea how to fly a plane. No one in their right mind would put me in charge of aviation safety because I don't have that experience. I suspect most of the members of this committee are in a similar position. The American people, when they think about aviation safety, when they think about, I played in this committee, a Southwest Airlines and FedEx uh, plane almost colliding in, uh, at Austin's airport. They want an FAA administrator who knows why those planes crash and knows how to fix it to keep them safe. And with all respect, Mr. Washington, it gives no comfort to the flying public that their pilot might be a, a transgendered witch, but doesn't actually know how to prevent the plane from crashing into the ground and killing them. I believe your record is woefully lacking. And in fact, you have zero aviation safety experience. And I don't believe you'll have the votes for, for confirmation, as you and I visited about earlier this week. It reminds me so much, by the way, of Mayor Pete, because there's a great headline this week. It says, Pete uh, starts to rethink how he does his job in the wake of the Ohio train disaster. Really, their nominations are so much alike, it's scary. Yeah. No experience in the, in the job they're about to get. And, and there are consequences when you get a job you know nothing about. Yeah, look, Pete Buttigieg is wildly unqualified for the job he has. He's a small-town mayor, and we've seen one transportation disaster after another after another. The FAA reports to the Secretary of Transportation. So just like the FBI reports to the Attorney General, the FAA administrator reports to the Secretary of Transportation. So, you know, if, if Biden's FAA nominee is confirmed, I can imagine the conversation of, of Phil Washington saying, uh, well, I, I, I don't know what, what this aviation safety is about. And Buttigieg say, yeah, me neither. Uh, let's go have lunch. Let's, it, it is stunning and it's dangerous. And, and Look, in some ways, this nomination is even more dangerous than Buttigieg's. Look, DOT is at least a big agency, and you assume the components have experts in them. When you're talking about the FAA, the guy running it is supposed to know what the heck he's doing. 
and Washington doesn't have that background. I'll tell you, there's a whole different concern with Washington. Pete didn't have, by the way. That we know of. Um, Which is, when Phil Washington was the head of L.A. Metro, there is an ongoing public corruption investigation that's happening right now about his time as head of the L.A. Metro, and in particular giving a contract to a nonprofit that ended up doing very little to make hundreds of thousands of dollars and the nonprofit was closely connected with an influential uh, Democrat on the board. (laughs) And so the investigation that's ongoing, it's not being conducted by some right-wing group. It's the L.A. sheriff who executed a search warrant. Now, unlike Biden's DOJ. I don't think the search warrant was executed by 20 agents with with machine guns. Sure. But who executed a search warrant seizing the emails and communications from Phil Washington about this appointment. And just recently, the California attorney general has taken over the investigation. So my office uh, called the staff of the California attorney general last week, a week before the hearing and said, "Okay, what's going on with the investigation. And they said, it's still ongoing. We're actively investigating, and Phil Washington is materially involved in the investigation. And and my staff asked, said, well, has anyone talked to you about the investigation? Did the White House talk to you about the investigation? Did the FBI talk to you about the investigation? Did Senate Democrats talk to you about the investigation? They're like, nope, nobody has. No one called, no one cares. So he's literally being investigated right now and yet the biden white house is trying to put him in a position without knowing the outcome of the investigation and which we have a clip about this take a look and it is more than a little troubling i think it's fair to say california sheriffs the la sheriff and the california attorney general are not republicans they're not right-wing activists with an axe to grind And the fact that this corruption case is ongoing, it's truly remarkable that this committee is considering confirming a nominee in the middle of an ongoing investigation for public corruption. And I am hard-pressed to think of anything more damaging to the FAA than not only confirming someone who is not qualified and has no experience in aviation safety, but secondly, doing so while a public corruption case is ongoing, which, according to the terms of the search warrant, implicates you directly. And if, if, it, if it so happened that you ended up indicted as a result of this ongoing investigation, I don't know if that will happen or not, the investigation needs to conclude, what sort of damage would it do to the FAA to have the administrator indicted on public corruption? It's a fair question, by the way. It's an important question. And you would think this administration would have said, let's pump the brakes on this guy. Maybe we we pull him off the table, find someone who's qualified. And yet they're like, nope, full speed ahead. Yeah, look, what they need to do, they need to pull this nomination. And they need to nominate someone who's qualified. And if they nominate someone who's qualified, who has real experience in aviation safety, that person is going to get confirmed with a big bipartisan majority. We all want to see someone in the FAA who knows how to make air travel safe. And, sure. and right now, the Biden White House is putting politics above the safety uh, of you and your kids.
Well, well done this week in Washington. I'm glad people know what's going on. We're getting to expose the stuff that the media is not even covering or talking about. These were two very, very important hearings. For everybody that's watching, don't forget we do the show three days a week. Uh, one day is with video. The other are just audio only. So you can tell Siri or Alexa, play Verdict with Ted Cruz. You can download it and make sure you get every episode wherever you get your podcasts. Apple iHeartRadio app. Spotify, it doesn't matter. You can grab it there. It's free to subscribe, so hit that auto-download or subscribe button, and you'll make sure you get every single episode. And we'll see you back here in a couple of days. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball. From Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.